get it. Hey guys, welcome to the Big Blue United podcast. My name is TJ, and I'm here with when when Dan was when I was gone the last time. Dan said, "My main man, Colin. I'm here with my main man, Colin. What's up, dog? Did he did he really call me that? I don't remember that. <laughs> it reminds me of like there's like some South Park episode where some foreign person keeps calling like uh, you know uh, Stan's dad, my man. Hello, oh, my man. Yeah, <laughs> as if Dan should have like gotten up turned his seat around and, and like sat on it backwards like he's yeah, like, like an AC Slater. Slater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well this is gonna be a good pod because we're on the same page already. Uh well, I mean safe by the bell. Yeah. Um I mean that was the show when we were kids, man. What was the place to call where they hung out? Uh the Max. The Max. That's right. That's right. Which was like a uh, from like the the wallpaper and and the squiggly neons, it was so painfully nineties that it looked like a like a Lisa Frank trapper keeper or something like hundred percent. That. That's the best way to describe it. I always wonder, like you know, if you're a server there and you're serving all high school kids, does anybody tip you, or just like you're getting paid two thirteen an hour? I or wouldn't it's California. Be surprised. Maybe yeah, it's, it's more. California. Maybe it was set up like a like a college. Like they had a meal plan that their parents just you know dump money for into. high school. Yeah. yeah. Wow, this uh, Save by the Bell speculation podcast is going super well. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, off season talk. I mean, let's get. Uh, oh, and oh, oh, here we go, folks. Uh, Mark Paul Gossler is coming on the line with us right now. No, I'm kidding. That's, <laughs> you talk that's football. Much. I mean, maybe yeah. he's a, maybe he's a football fan. I don't know. Well, what I what bothers me about him is he, he doesn't have the blonde hair anymore. He's been like a brunette forever, and I'm just like, that's not you. Go back, bleach, bleach that hair, man. Let's get weird with it. I'm sure. Have they not, not, not like wanted to do a reunion for the show? Maybe, or maybe none of them can. Uh, oh wait, Screech is dead though. Did Screech? Uh, Screech I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure oh, Dustin yeah. Diamond is dead. Yeah. Oh, what a sad story that was. He was an outcast. No one cared about him on the show. He was like a couple years younger, and he just like felt like. He was thrown in there because he was a nerdy character, and then no one cared about him. Then he made a sex tape and later on passed away. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> Very tragic life, really. Oh, yeah, think about I it. Oh, but I want to switch gears. I want to switch yeah. gears because this is actually a big week for me because Green City is this weekend. Green City being um, the other half brewery beer festival that they usually throw every year. This is the first one in three years since uh, the pandemic and whatnot. But the best thing is because it's basically a who's who in brewery names from around the country. And uh, all the brewers come in and make collaboration beers with all the New York breweries. It's going to be so much good beer to drink. And I'm still pushing Colin to come with me. Yes. You're on the fence, but I'm going to tell you, it's awesome. You'll get you're four, you're there for four hours. You just drink your face off. There's professional wrestling and food trucks. The crowd is always awesome, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're going with me and my brother. It's going to get silly, but you know, I, I'm leaving the ball in your court. Whatever you want. <laughs> I, I I sincerely wish I could attend. Um, I, we are uh, Steph and I are going to be uh, doing a round of golf uh, with uh, her father on Saturday um, because he's not available on Sunday. So that's uh, that's what we're doing. However, that's, that's cool though. As much drink, as I would like, I would like to go, when you go golfing too. Uh, yeah, certainly not as much as you guys inevitably will be, but um, I'm I'm trying to get in a flow of things because I went on Friday with a, a couple of our our hometown younger brothers. Oh, I saw that. Yes, yes, on your Instagram. Some yeah, of the younger kids from Somers High School. Very very fun. Very fun with people for the most part who are much better than I at golf. So I was able to learn some things and feel a little bit okay about going again. So. Uh, 
Yeah, it'll be cool. I mean, I've, I, I like hanging out with him, so it's it's going to be a good time. And, and Steph's actually pretty decent at golf too. So huh. I will be going to that with you next year for certain. They have it the same that. same weekend every year. Every year, man. Okay. There's also one called Pastry Town, which is just stouts. Oh. That I can't go to because I can't consume that much lactose. It will destroy my insides. But um, I know you would like it because you're a big stout man. Yeah, well, stouts are fun though. They're fun, and then they're in in little bits. You can't have twelve of them. No, I mean Scott just chugs that that stuff. It's like you know fourteen percent. It's really good, but it's yeah. I mean, for me, eight ounces. Yeah. Call it a day. I don't need to drink for four hours. Drink that stuff. I'm gonna so die. So oh god. Heavy. Oh yeah. All right, guys. As usual, please follow Big Blue United on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, BBO Pod Boys with a Z on Twitter, Pigskin Pod at the Pigskin Pod Net on Twitter for the Pigskin Podcast Network. Download that DraftKings app. Use promo code TPPN. Our sponsor today is once again Foco, and uh, Dan had this really awesome straw hat that looked like a Dave Gettleman would wear. But Dan, unfortunately, couldn't be here tonight. Um, so Colin's got his FOCO zip-up on. Um, I got my FOCO headband back there somewhere, but I put it on, and my hair is just absolutely insane right now. So I felt like I didn't want to alienate the viewers with my disgusting haircut. Um, but we love FOCO.com. They sent us a lot of good stuff. I love that zip-up that Colin has, three-quarter zip-up he's wearing right now. And really, FOCO is just a great website where you can get pretty much anything sports-related apparel-wise. They have basically everything. I saw this really sweet Bengals Tommy Bahama shirt earlier today when I was looking at it. So it's not just, you know, your generic clothing items. They also have some more fun stuff, too. I know that's sort of like where the style is going now is very whimsical patterns on your button-up shirts. 90s style. Oh, man. Speaking of which, um, I love this thing, by the way. I mean, this is I think this is the second time I'm wearing it on the, on the show. It's mm -hmm. actually perfect because I have the air conditioner on in here, and it's one of those weird air conditioners where you can't quite get it perfect and i'm a little chilly and this is the perfect layer to be wearing for this and it's great for you know late spring early summer when you just need another layer and i love it but segueing into weird weird patterns uh because i went golfing this past friday um i forget that you're sort of required to wear a collared shirt to certain golf courses and i don't really have any polo shirts that are worthy of wearing in that situation and we we went to Target, and uh, I got a couple of a uh, couple of polos that are like have that. Um, actually, I'm sure Foco probably has some. I hundred percent sell polos with like golf polos, polo specifically yeah. like like oh, yeah. athletic uh, material polos that are good for summertime golfing. I'm actually I'm going to look on that afterwards. Um, they legit have like everything on there. It's a pretty yeah. good website. So yeah, guys, check out Foco.com. Grab some Giants gear. Um, going to need it with training camp in a couple. We, month and a half i think it is season starting sooner than you think so oh, uh we we definitely have to go we haven't talked about this we gotta go to training camp oh yeah we should it's open to the public for the first time this year in a while yep. right i um, think we gotta go we gotta we gotta make a, a, a trip of it i, I haven't been to training camp since it was in albany that was a while ago yep that was a fun that was a fun trip i went with uh me and kelly donahue went and i was living in albany briefly in troy I was living in Albany. I worked in Troy, but oh, we went yeah. to because I I lived like the ten minute drive from the campus where the the training camp was held. So mm -hmm. went a couple times. It was super fun, but yeah, decent trek. But I'm glad they moved it down to Jersey because it's a little bit faster for us to get there now. Absolutely. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, another segue here in terms of training camp. I think I, I may have told this story on here before. I'm not sure. 
of uh, when my mother met uh, Harry Carson, among other players, uh, because they used to practice at Pace. Mm. And there's like a famous picture of um, of Phil Sims and LT. In they used to wear the most garbage practice uniforms back in the eighties. A lot like, of half shirts, I'm sure. Oh yeah, but like made out of cotton. Like they weren't even bothering with the jersey style. It was just like a t-shirt that they ripped over their their uh, their pads and everything. And like someone got hurt, and for whatever reason, Harry Carson escorted this hurt player to Phelps Hospital, where my mother was a mm. uh, a um, ER nurse at the time, and. Um, yeah, got to meet him. He was like a sweetheart, and was like that's that's my my that's mom's awesome. favorite giant story story there. Yeah. Did your mom go to Pace? No, she. she my mom went to Pace. So it was called Good Counsel back then. But yeah, yeah. No, my well, my mom went to nursing school. Uh, she didn't go to college. Wow! And look at how look at how we ended up going to college, and now your mom has a beautiful home that she owns uh, in what Rhode Island is it? Well, she I I. Uh, she's in the process of putting it on the market because she sure. bought a, a house up uh, near near Poughkeepsie. Oh, nice! Get a little With, closer to home. See, I'm see her going column. to uh, to see her tomorrow. I'm going to help unpack some stuff and and see the house for the first time. So that's pretty neato. Oh, cool, man! That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Giants news: mini camps over. Um, no practice till training camp. Guys are going off on their own, doing their own training. Hopefully. The red jersey guys are getting their health right. Everybody else is going to maintain and work on their physique and uh, hopefully be studying the playbook. Um, I'm sure not everybody will, but you'd hope that the new regime has instilled the hunger into these guys, at least early on, to, you know, a culture of success and not just one that talks about success and then does a QB sneak in their own – Territory on the ten. I mean, you can never stop talking about that. It's no. the it's like the definitive moment of the Joe Judge era. I'm I'm gonna play. I'm gonna block it out because it's the most embarrassing football decision I think. Besides, probably some of those. What was that awful trick play that the Colts did a couple of years ago on fourth down where they had the the punter? Um, they they spread everybody out all the way to the left, and it was like two linemen and the punter and he came and he got it from under center and they'd like try to play some play and, and, and he just got destroyed. And it was like, well, yeah. what was the idea in the, the first co- place? The commanders did it and the yeah. Colts did that too. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I, I guess in the Colts situation, they actually weren't intended to snap the ball and made an error. But in the Washington circumstance, I, I don't even know. I, I know we saw that play recently. Someone has shared it on whatever group chat we were on. It's terrible. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean, but at least, you know, it's the, the problem with that play is like you didn't have enough co- confidence in your offense to even run a play. Yeah. Like that's how poorly you were coaching this team and how badly the injuries were and how bad the personnel was at that point. Well, it's and just, it's, it's just funny. It's very obvious uh, that one play defines the entire mentality and era of Joe Judge and what the ownership wanted at the time because Joe, all Joe Judge really cared about was. Um, uh, field position. And yeah. when you're scared of touchdowns, you don't try to go for them. And in today's NFL, you have to do the opposite. And that's pretty much what this regime is looking to do. And which is, we'll see if it's attack yeah. on both sides of the ball. And speaking of which, Colin, I do want to ask you. So, I mean, I guess one of the bigger storylines in the OTAs was that the offense still looks like it needs a lot of work while the defense is kind of picking up steam faster. I know it's super early, but do you vest any kind of interest into that now or 
put any weight on you know what what's going on in the OTA. No, and we're going to see it again when they when they come back together in in uh, a month or whatever it is uh, to start uh, officially practicing for the season. Um, it's going to be the same thing again, and and everyone's got to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Almost in every single training camp of any team in the league, the defense always gets the 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 hop on the offense. There's just so many more moving parts, literally and figuratively, in in the offensive side that I don't really. The defense is allowed to do things a little more naturally. Uh, You're kind of just rooted in what you have to do for the most part on offense. So, no, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I've read some things here and there where where people are like, "Uh, you know, what what we've seen of Daniel Jones, even with this new regime, is he's throwing too many interceptions and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm not even paying attention to it. Until you see these guys in in real game situations, I'm not really going to care. I mean, yeah, and it seems like, you know, one of the things I, I've been hearing the most is that, you know, they want him to yeah. force the ball, take those chances, because in practice, that's when you're supposed to make the mistake. Mm-hmm. That's how you identify the mistakes. That's how you clean those things up before the game. But I think what we saw with Daniel Jones is just, you know, a complete, you know, lack of progression just based on the fact that the last regime refused to let him kind of be himself or take chances or make throws or change the play because he had a lot of turnover issues. So, I mean, they're going to have to figure out a balance there where they can attack other defenses while also protecting the ball. That being said, maybe Daniel Jones can't do that. So that remains to be seen. I I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised, uh, especially given that one of the things that they're, they're harping on with him is getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Mm-hmm. This might be a little more of a West Coast offense than what Dable has shown with the Bills, which is not a problem. If that means what we're seeing with uh, Barkley being moved around and doing what we've been saying, like throwing him out there. In fact, I saw a picture of him. He looks slimmer. He looks faster as as he looks less hulking, which mm-hmm. I think has something to do with how they want to use him. Um, he might just end up being a Swiss Army knife kind of situation, and frankly, it could save his career. So, Agreed. Agreed. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, the offensive weapons be sort of that Swiss Army knife thing. I mean, there's certain guys that I think will do what they do, like Galladay is going to just going to be on the outside, catching balls, yeah. jump balls. You know, you're going to see whoever's a tight end position. I don't think you're going to see that moving around too much. But yeah, you know, you have Tony, Wandale, who I think is going to take a little time to come on. Um, you know, Saquon are all very interesting pieces to move around. I'll be able you know, th- their skill sets are somewhat similar in certain situations, but I, it should be interesting to see if, you know, Wandell ever, we see him in the backfield. We see Tony in the backfield. Maybe we see all three of them in the backfield. I don't know. That's a, uh, that's kind of a crazy one. Do the wing T with uh, two, two wideouts and Saquon. I, I mean, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here for it. Who's blocking? Yeah, that's my question. Uh, Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what else should we talk about here? OTAs. I, I do want to bring up Bellinger again, because it yeah. seems like he's the most talked about. Um, when I saw an interview with Dayball, he basically was just like, you know, downplaying the situation, mm-hmm. saying that there's like a rep chart, not a depth chart. Fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're on top of the rep chart, then clearly you are on top of the depth chart, you would imagine, because you're getting the most amount of reps. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think Bellinger is going to start day one for this team at tight end? Because of how thin it is? Well, okay. Let- Yes, and why I say that is literally the first play of the game in the first game of the season, he'll be the starting tight end. That doesn't mean he's going to be the only guy out there all the time. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? When you're on the starting 11 sheet, 
he'll be there, but it won't be like he's only going to be the guy there. It'll probably be a, a, a rotation kind of thing. You're going to see plenty of uh, Seals Jones and um, um, the you know, why am I blanking on the other guy, the, the Texans guy that we picked up as well. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> totally I'm, I'm blanking on it too. Um, you know, you're going to see everybody doing a bunch of things. And I think maybe over time during the season, you'll see him more than anything else. But he, it's probably going to be a, a uh, um, scrambled eggs for a while, not to bring that up again, because that seems to be what I roll into for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's, a good, it's a good one, man. Jordan Akins. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest thing is, is the guy can block. And yep. that's what we need the most. And if he can be an extension of the line, and we can help out whoever's going to be out there. Uh, great. Have him block first and then make him be that guy that people just forget about, get lulled to sleep. And then all of a sudden the seam, there he is running his four, six right down the middle and he's ready to catch it. Cool. Be, be that guy, be that, uh, you know, not as athletic, uh, or, you know, be the Kevin boss, be the, the Ballard, be, you know, even like a, you want to go back a little Howard cross action. Be the blocker first, and then be that outlet. There's any number of of successful players in NFL history that have made a living catching the ball and falling down. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Moving the chains, man. That's that's the most important thing. Security uh, blanket. I know I said this last week, but he's got all those check marks, in my yeah. opinion. I, I wanted to go back to something you, you said a little while ago about um, uh, the players being, uh, you know training on their own and being ready and like getting into the playbook and stuff like that. I think the fact that it, the coaching staff is the way it is. Yeah. There's the players coach that can be pushovers. I don't think these guys are pushovers. I think they're the kind of kinds of guys that they implement hope in their players and also the feeling that you don't want to let those guys down. You know what I mean? They, and they I, command respect. They don't demand respect. And there's a huge difference. Precisely. It's a huge difference. When you're a leader of some, of people, you have to lead by example. You don't just yell and yeah. curse and punish people and expect results, especially not with the generation of players they're dealing with now. Yep. You know, people want to say that the younger generations are soft. They're not soft. They, they also just demand respect and want to be treated well yep. and not be treated like crap. It's yeah. not that hard, you know. I mean, these guys are making millions of dollars, but still, you know, proper motivation, you know, needs to be studied and it needs to be implemented correctly. And I think that, you know, it's apples and oranges compared to what's going on now with what was going on. Yeah. I mean, some of the Joe Judge stuff was just infantile training camp when you know you got you got offensive linemen retiring because they're like, I'd rather retire than deal with this. And it's just a prime example of of you know how not to. How this hard, hard ass stuff doesn't work. Maybe if you're Bill Belichick, it works because you have six Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Joe Judge didn't have any Super Bowl rings that as a head coach. So Yeah, and I, you almost can't fault the guy. I know he was trying to lean into a certain mindset, but he also was naive enough to not understand that he didn't have the um the clout to be able to actually do that. Maybe someday, Agreed. maybe he'll become a good coach at some point. All I know is that if him or or Matt Patricia are calling the offense with the Patriots, then I they got another thing coming. Yeah, I was just gonna say, let's see him unleash Mac Jones next year as offensive uh, coordinator for the Patriots. I don't know. Maybe Bill's got something up his sleeve that we all don't know about. I don't know. He usually does. Well, up his cutoff sleeve, you mean? So so nothing up his sleeve. 
Um, I have to bring up the Jihad Ward interview, which is maybe my favorite interview I've ever seen in a football player. That guy is hilarious, man. Some of the stuff he was saying made me was like laughing out loud. And at the same time, he was coming out and just saying like, I'm here to make sure these guys are prepared to motivate Thibod. I'm not going to say his last name to motivate Kayvon. Um, I mean, I love this guy. I'm so happy he's on the team. He sort of seems like a very, you know, wink. He's got to be Wink's right hand man. They're yeah. like very similar. And, you know, I just can't, I have a soft spot for a Southern draw. It just mm. gives, it just makes me giggle sometimes with some of the phrasing and words that are said. Well, so, do you think he's I love him. <laughs> to be funny or is, do you think he's just straight up serious and it's just like, that's his thing? I think that's just how he is. And he tells it like it is. And I think, you know, more so than just like, you know, the comic effect of how he, how he was speaking to a degree. He was basically saying like, he's a professional guy. He's there yeah. to work. He's there to work hard. He's there to motivate everybody else, you know? And people ask him, you know, they were asking him about being a leader. And he's just like, I, I'll, I just, I'm just prepared to do what I have to do. And that's how I'm a leader. Yep. And I think that's important. I think it ties into kind of what we were just talking about, which is what this team needs to be doing. Just show, leading by example, bringing more high character guys into the locker room. I know, you know, we joke about, you know, locker room guys ad nauseum, but yeah. to some degree it has to be important, especially when you have, you know, Rookies coming in, and we have two high-drafted rookies who, you know, need to be motivated, you would imagine, or at least help being helped to acclimate to the NFL. It's kind of cool to think about. We now have sort of a very experienced veteran defensive line for the first line of literal defense. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you know, Blake Mar- Martinez behind. And, like, some of the – obviously, some of the, the linebackers are young, but – to start with the experience up front, I think is going to go a long way. I mean, even Sexy Dexy at this point, he's a veteran. He's been around. He's yep. looking slimmer. He might have some pass rushing ability that he's going to show that we have not seen yet. Um, I think there are a lot of question marks on the defense, and there are a lot of question marks in the secondary. But I think with starting up front, it might permeate through to the back. And I think there's important enough veteran presence in certain spots that it could tie it all together with the coach. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during NBA finals? With a DraftKings same gay parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same-game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We've definitely made it a point to, to say that this is the most excited we've kind of been as Giants fans in a while. I, I know we haven't even seen a finished product on the field, but just from the pieces that have been put together, um, whether it's by John Mara or by Joe Shane or by Brian Dable and the coaching staff right now, I mean, you have to be feeling better I won't say I want to just jump ahead and say, oh, Giants are going to be great, you know, but mm. that, that all meant to be seen. And, um, you know, 
do you want to hit up the, a couple more stories? We're going to do a defensive back preview today. But, uh, you know, we saw today Giants are actually $6.2 million under the cap. I guess that's, you know, primarily from the Bradbury situation. But, I mean, hey, I think Shane basically said he wanted to have about $9 million during the season for injuries. So, I mean, are you happy with where they are under the cap? And are you surprised they got there? Well, what was that from? It was Giants Insider on Twitter, I think. I think so, uh, yeah. Well, there was a LOL at the end of that because it's just unfathomable that we, we can be under the cap right now, which is incredible. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. And he's going to unload more. I mean, how many people are on this squad right now, technically? 90-something before yeah. they even cut it down to 53 in August? Um, yeah, I think that's a great way to start. The fact that we're there, we're at that point now is a great thing. Um, in that same wavelength with, with Shane, he, his comments on on the injuries was very telling to me because you know this is in the kind of part of the year where we start getting worried about all the guys in the red jerseys and we've got quite a few right now, and I I just kind of like ah, whatever I'm not I'm not going to worry about it because I can't bother myself too, but he had an interesting quote which I don't think is something we've ever heard a Giants coach ever say, ever that. There's varying levels of injuries, and even guys with a couple of like very low-level dings were putting in the red jerseys, and we're taking real easy on these guys, which is the exact opposite of what we've ever done. Usually it's run them into the ground, make, make sure they're tired and continuously injured until they get really hurt later on. So I think that's another um, aspect of the modern outlook of NFL coaching in today's game that is going to be shown um it should be shamed good to be shamed <laughs> um but you know we'll we'll see i mean i think so someone like Kayvon or or even um uh who else is kind of injured right now that uh that we're not too worried about i mean shepherd's still got to come back to full health but i'm not worried about him either um and even tony for that matter it's all these little things uh i mean tony's uh orthoscopic uh, knee, get the weird stuff out. That's nothing. That's usually come back after a couple weeks and you're pretty good. They'll probably just be easy on these guys until they know that they can go full full speed. So they got some time to recover now. I mean, I I don't know. How much time exactly do, do we have until camp starts? It's like six again? weeks or so, yeah. uh, roughly. Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, I could look up when the date starts. Yeah, probably no, probably shouldn't, whatever. It's, it's coming soon yeah. this summer. Um, but yeah, I agree, man. I'm just, I'm just, you know, happy that the tr some of the training staff got turned over and we're taking a more pragmatic approach to injury, which has been Giants have been perpetually one of the most injured teams in the NFL. And that, you know, doesn't make things easy on anybody. Um, but yeah, you know, I think Tony will be healthy. I, I talked to my, uh, my insider in the Giants uh, medical, medical office. He said, I asked him um, if Kadarius Tony had a condition that made his head really cold. Does not. It's not related to uh, to any of the injuries he uh, he missed games for. Um, but that Kadarius Tony is a very strange man and very difficult to talk to, which I don't see that being so much surprise to me. And maybe he's just not a communicator. Maybe he's just like a, a lead by example kind of guy, yeah, and he just yeah. he's, I just want to see him catching balls, man. I don't yeah. think he. I don't think he's. I don't think he leadership qualities is why he got drafted. I think he got drafted because he's a freakish athlete. Yeah. Um. Cool. Um, all right. Let's get into our preview this week, which we're going to do defensive backs. Um, I know last week I had mentioned that I thought, you know, the inside linebacker spot next to Blake Martinez was, was 
either the most or one of the most weak or one of the weakest positions on this defense. But as a whole, I think the secondary is, is a little thin. Um, basically with Bradbury gone, you have a Dory Jackson taking over the number one spot. Yep. He's got to go against, you know, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, CD lamb, Terry McLaurin. Um, he's only five eleven. You know, I think AJ Brown's particularly a big guy. So it's an interesting thing to me with what Wink is trying to do, where sometimes these guys are left on an island because he wants to bring a lot of blitzers. So if we just want to start with the outside corner position, obviously Adoree Jackson's your number one. I mean, he had an okay year last year. Um, what was it? 71 PFF grade, 34 receptions allowed, seven passes defense, one inter- one interception. But I don't know if he really is a true number one corner. I mean, Colin, do you really think he's going to step up and be able to you know lock down number one receivers on the outside? I think they're going to unfortunately lean into him to try to this mm-hmm. year. Um, I think he's going to be the leader of the cornerback room in general, just because of his, the sole fact that he's been around longer than everybody else. Um, maybe it was a transitional kind of year last year, and he wasn't really sure how to uh, unlock his potential in that defense. I think this is a little bit diff- uh, different kind of scenario, obviously. Um, but it starts with the coaching and, uh, what we talked about a little bit before, uh, coming on was I, that interesting giants.com article about how much respect, uh, Wink has for Jerome Henderson, one of the handful of, uh, coaches that we retained from the last regime. Um, Henderson's a 16 year coaching vet and he's highly regarded around the league. And I feel like they're going to work very well together. And I know I've been hammering it down, but I think coaching is going to be so important. And it's going to be obvious when you see players like Adoree Jackson, who may not be that uh, prototypical number one cornerback, maybe he will be elevated to that level because of the the leadership that he has uh, to put him in the position that will uh, utilize his skill set to the best of his ability, as well as help him out with other people. I mean, you got McKinney, who's who's coming into his own now. I think he's he's chomping at the bit to be that leader back there, and I think mm-hmm. that's going to be a very interesting development to see how the two of them uh, work together with their communication. I'm, I'm sure they're both going to be considered kind of captains of the the secondary at this point, and um, yeah. I mean, I'm more interested to see what's going to happen on the other side of Adoree yeah. at this point. Um, Who's your, who, who, I mean, in my mind, I have three names. Uh, Jaron Williams, Rodarius Williams, Aaron Robinson are the three names that pop out to me. I also think that they might go outside the organization. Hmm. I've heard Jimmy Smith a lot, who, you know, was with Winkin in, in yeah. uh, Baltimore. Um, Chris Harris, another guy I've heard. Um, I know, bring up Sam Prince, mentioned Joe Hayden, you know. All those guys are veteran presences that I think could be gotten for cheap and brought in here. That being said, if I look at these three guys, I mean, Jaron Williams last year, I don't think he is going to project to be a starter on this defense, but he did start last year a couple games and he did play well. So I think if you're in a jam, he's definitely a guy that's going to make this team and and can contribute even as a starter if you have to have him in there. But overall, you got to think like Aaron Robinson's probably the guy. I think he had a good rookie year until he got hurt. Um, he's 6'1", almost 200 pounds. He's a big dude. He's got the size to play outside. Plus, you don't really need him to go inside anymore. You have Williams. You have Darnay Holmes. You have Cord- Cord- uh, Cordell Flott as well in the yep. slot. I mean, who do you think is going to end up being on the, out- the other outside corner? 
I, I think it's going to be Aaron Robinson as long as yeah. he stays healthy and, and is able to, to make that next step. However, I did see an, an interesting um, article from uh, Empire Sports Media saying that the sleeper that could uh, possibly be a guy that you would not expect to punch out to the outside is uh, Darnay Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would normally think of him as a slot guy only, but I think he's got some uh, a bit of a skill set that if he – uh, really comes along to the mental aspect of the game and uh, be sound with his assignments. He's got the physical tools, even though he might be a little more slight in stature. He might be able to be a, a spot outside guy, especially if if this defense ends up being the tried and true uh, Martindale defense where you're kind of the Swiss Army knife kind of guy back there too. I mean, there's people being rolled around. The whole point uh, is to have people versatile people be able to cover different positions that way you can keep the offense on their toes and hopefully confuse them into making mistakes so i think you're going to see a lot of different characters out there on the two and giving as many opportunities to anybody who who could possibly take it and you can include julian love in that conversation as well throw some mud at the wall see what sticks yeah i mean it's it's a big it's a big kind of off season for that sort of thing i mean I, I know I mentioned it last week or the week before or whatever, but I mean, e- even the idea of, of going with three safeties at once, like Dion Grant back in the day, you might even be seeing that kind of thing. So yeah, Aaron Robinson, I think is going to be the guy with the job to lose there, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised similarly um, uh, to the tight end position. It might be a rotation of sorts. I can see that. Um, and, you know, the one thing, you know, I kind of gathered when I was doing my research for this episode was, you know, the Giants do have a lot of young talent at this position, a lot of unproven guys, guys in their second, third, first year that all have potential to really make a step. So as much as this position is thin, um, I think you have people that potential people with potential to jump in there and make an impact. Um, you know, it definitely helps. Uh, there's nobody there. You know, everyone's got a shot. Everyone's going to be trying their hardest. The competition's going to be fierce. It's going to be good. Hopefully, it'll bring out the best in some of these young players. And hopefully, the coaching staff will be able to nurture, you know, that competition. Really create, you know, really what the Giants want to do is create a vaunted secondary so that they are able to bring the pass rush up front with you guys there. So, whether or not we see someone from the outside, we see Aaron Robinson jump in there. um, It'll be interesting battle in training camp to see how that plays out. And I want, you know, you did mention Darnay Holmes. So, if you want to jump into the slot position um, for me, I'm just going to probably pencil flot in there. I know he's a rookie, but you had basically two slot corners on your roster already in Robinson and Holmes. And then you went out and spent a third round pick on this guy. So clearly they wanted him on this team. Wink wanted him in his defense. He saw things there that he wanted to use. So I think you're going to see a lot of him in the slot. You're going to see a lot of him early. I think he, you know, he's not like a press corner like Robinson is, but he can play man. He can play zone. Um, and he's natural too. Like he's he's very good with uh, uh, the instinct. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when he has the ball in his hands, he can he can do damage too. So if he's going to be a guy who's going to take chances, try to be a ball hawk, maybe they'll give him that opportunity to jump some routes and stuff like that. You never know. Um, if not, you know, I'm sure we'll see him on special teams, but. I like Flot penciled in there as, as a starter, but I do think you'll see a rotation at that position. Yeah. yeah. Um, any thoughts on the slot? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, I think 
well, I was going to make a joke. We have so many slot receivers. Maybe some of them will go on defense and we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll interchange there. Everybody will play each other's positions since they're going to be playing against each other in practice so much. Um, I just wanted to throw out there, I, I mean, in terms of the slot, yeah, that it's a natural kind of rotational position anyway until someone locks that down during the mm-hmm. season, um, which even so, I mean, you, you see teams across the league yeah, there are some guys that are, are known for playing there, but you're not really hearing a lot of guys that are just like, oh, he's just like the premier slot corner. Eh. You kind of lean into, are, are, can you play the slot well and also the outside? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, It's one of those weird positions where it's very important, but I feel like it doesn't get the respect that it should. Um but yeah, I mean, you you have the rookies that can grab at it and have it, and if they do, great. If we have to put someone in like Julian Love to be that guy too, I think we have some options. I think uh, a lot of people went into this offseason, even after the, the draft, still worried about the secondary. Well, we worked on our pass rush, and remember our secondary in the last Super Bowl we won was very mediocre. Um, actually... Even the one it, that one was better than the 2007 Super Bowl run. That was less good with James Butler's of the world and whatever. Um, that was all the pass rush. So yeah. we might be just talking about this for naught. They might look incredible, and they're not even that incredible just because you know we're getting to the to the QB like we haven't in a very long time. So I mean, you'd hope so, man, because I feel like if if you're not going to get to the passer and you're going to blitz a lot, and uh, you know, I think that makes exposes you makes you easy to game plan against. You can pick on dudes, yeah. you know. But I think you know my pay grade's way too low to uh, figure out what Mike Martindale's going to do by a couple uh, watching a couple practices and interviews from OTAs. Um, yeah. before we jump into safety, I mean, I just want to mention a couple other guys that I thought were kind of interesting with one being, uh, Maurice Canady, uh, it, it got autocorrected to Canada on, yeah. on my laptop, but a guy who spent four years with the Ravens, um, one with the Jets started six games for the Cowboys last year, 38 starts under his belt. So, I mean, someone who I like to be on this team just with a veteran presence and has starting ability can start if you have to, you know, run into those injuries. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of dudes in the Ravens, Khalil Dorsey. Um, who else? That's it. Okay. But I mean, it's still yeah. funny, but yeah, there's a bunch of, hey, it's, it's, it's kind of like getting these guys for not only, uh, good guys to just throw in there and, and no wings defense. It's sort of guys that are acting as translators. Mm-hmm. They know how to speak the defense so they can teach as well as the, uh, they can be the teachers on the field when Wink can't run out there in the middle of a play, you know? And I think that's uh, an overlooked aspect of um, Dan's favorite thing of locker room presence, guys. Um, it, it just is. I mean, that that is an important aspect of things, especially when you're trans transferring to a different defense and a, and a different, you know, coaching staff. So, I, hey, I'll take any Raven cornerback ever. I mean, you much. know, they, they bring it in guys because they know the system. They have a good work ethic. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of other guys that know the system that didn't want to bring in, whether or not these guys are there to make the team or do what you just said. It's a great addition to have early on, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, want to jump into safety. Obviously, you know, I think the best player on, on in the secondary is Xavier McKinney, as you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, total lock to be starting. Um, I think, you know, the ceiling is high. Pro Bowl ceiling in my mind um, sooner than later 
I mean, I'm just really excited to just see him play a whole year as a starter. And I think he's like the kind of player that Wake Martindale is like salivates over, you know, when, when he takes this old. job. Yeah. What is it? The second or third year at the most? Yeah. Um, he's younger than I thought he was. I mean, you know, I, I said Aziz will be the best Gettleman pick. I stand by that, but I think McKinney will be a close, you know, second or third to that. Um, but really the question is, and I want to ask you because you did bring up Julian Love a lot, um, you know, potentially being moved to the corner position. Um, I kind of see him as the starter across from McKinney at the beginning with Ryan and Peppers gone. Yeah. No one really else on the roster with any experience besides him that has his ability. That being said, I don't really think Julian Love has proven to me that he can it's like a starter in this league. He's definitely yeah. a very capable backup. And, and, you know, I think in like some of those three safety sets, if that did exist again, he's definitely a great, you know, person to throw in there. Totally. Um, what I do imagine happening more at that safety spot is I see love probably starting early. And then I think Dane Belton is going to come in and take over that spot mm -hmm. quickly. Um, he's, you know, Belton is exactly what they want. He's super versatile. He can play the corner. He can go down to the box. He can play safety. He can play nickel, kind of move them all over the place. Um, four, four, three, 40, five picks last year um, as a, in college fourth round pick. I mean, I think he's going to jump up and, and be that guy. And then I think you might see love move more into the role that you're describing. Um, what do you think? I think that's exactly how it's going to go, especially in the beginning. Um, I think you're going to see uh, Belton in packages. He'll be the Dion Grant for a while. Uh, and the difference here is Dion Grant was a savvy veteran guy who had a good brain, but his physical attributes were on the decline. So the difference here is Belton has to learn the defense. So he's going to have the physical attributes, but not as many of the responsibilities. So you put him in on that third spot as like a quasi linebacker, probably bring him towards the line a little bit, give him uh, some blitzing because you know, Wink's going to throw some randos out there, like people you don't expect to be blitzing um, and not have to have him overloaded by the uh, the playbook early on until he acclimates himself. And then you'll see a switch, and you'll you'll see Love turn into that ultimate utility guy where you're, you'll see him in all sorts of packages all over the place. But that's think, like a luxury at that point. I, I think that's where he'll succeed, too, is not yeah. necessarily being a starter in a position, but moving around and being put in places where he can succeed in certain circumstances. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. I think you're going to see a defense that caters to their personnel. Mm -hmm. um, the safety position is kind of weak, so I can also see them going out and bringing in some, a veteran presence as well. Sure. I, I'm not sure who that might be, but I mean, as of right now, there's four safeties on the roster, five safeties on the roster with Yusuf Corker, Henry Black. Um, Yusuf was undrafted free agent. Um, Henry Black's a guy. He was also undrafted free agent for the Packers. He did play in 17 games last year, so that is a quality person to have as a backup. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd have to think that they'll probably look outside – at least maybe they won't bring someone in, but it's definitely a, a conversation they're having. You'd have to imagine. Um, who, so we can land on our four starters kind of being um, a Dory Jackson, Aaron Robinson, Xavier McKinney, Julian loves that trans transitions into Dane Belton quickly. Yep. I like with, that too. With the, a kind of, you know, rotating uh, a, a, Oh yeah, the slot. We'll see flot or tomes or yeah. you know, yeah. And then until someone really grasps that position, it might be a turnstile of sorts for a while oh. until they uh, 
figure out who's going to be locking down the slot. Uh, underwater. <laughs> you, got, you missed out on talking about that, unfortunately. I did, yeah, you know, and and I did laugh a little bit when you were like, TJ hadn't been in a mosh pit in 15 years, and then he's like telling me to go into it. I was like, yeah. I had zero thought in my mind that I would ever be in a mosh pit that night, but Wasn't it was it just great? too hard not to, man. The great. songs, it, it would, you know, I had drank enough that I was like, not you know, tired or, or how do you want to say, what do you say when you drink too much? Kind of just, exa- you're just shot. You yeah. I shot. wasn't shot. I was like energized. Yeah. I had just the amount of alcohol, right amount of alcohol and vape pen that I was ready to go. And I had, I had a blast, man. It was so fun. <laughs> and was that not the happiest, uh, aggressive type crowd you've ever been in? Like there were not people, there were not morons kicking each other and punching each other. People it were was chill, not like man. that. One guy shot gave me a shot in the in the stomach. I think it was on purpose. Punched and, you? And uh, he no, like he elbowed me real hard in the stomach. And then I was like, "All right, well, I'm going to get you." And then he ran away. Oh, well, I like, what? I, you know, I thought, what happened to the pit? I mean, I haven't been in a while, but I guess it's it's just all friendly now. So well, like as um as uh you know, one of the greatest Americans of all time, Kid Rock, once said, "You just got to <laughs> you, you, you got to get in the pit and and try to love someone." And on that note, we're going to call it a night. Um, thank you guys for listening. God, the horror. Um, please follow Big Blue United on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us, BBU Podboys with a Z on Twitter, PigskinPodNet. You, uh, download the DraftKings app and use promo code TPPN. Don't forget to check out Foco.com. Um, we miss you, Dan. One, four, Bye. three. Peace.